And so before we together continue to submerge into the study of our unchanging inheritance in Jesus Christ into these great depths, the unchanging epigraph of our study of the Word of God is the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so that we, as the participants of the body of Christ, would share together with Christ all the things written about him in Scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit, revealing the truth in the heart, looking at what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can put on the new way of life. I shall remind us that this is a discipline, uh, this discipline is the calling of every individual person and if it's somehow ignored or unfamiliar to the people, then a person uh, is in vain going to church, in vain doing something if he's not fulfilling his calling or his purpose. God has called a person so that he can be enthroned in his heart, so that he can erect the stronghold of life and destroy the stronghold of death in his body. That's why he came, died on the cross. He died with his body for our body. But many holy people, uh, they uh, disregard, disregard their body and they rely upon their own personal righteousness to achieve something. Uh, and replacing it with God's righteousness, they lose their salvation, not even thinking that they're going to hell when they think they're going to heaven. Uh, We need to be very careful. Why do we live on earth? Why do we come to the house of God? If we are not familiar with our calling and with our true purpose. And so this is our true calling and our true purpose to allow the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to destroy the stronghold of death within our bodies and erect the stronghold of life. It is necessary for us to collaborate with Him. He won't do it without our consent or our uh, us taking part in that process. We need to receive the Word according to God's <clears throat> instruction and we confess the truth that we receive and the words that we uh, confess, they will destroy the stronghold of death and erect the stronghold of life, specifically the words that the words that we confess. And so our mouth needs to be especially pure and clean and prepared for this mission. It can't be that the same mouth say one thing today, Lord, let this be so, and then suddenly some kind of dirty words are spoken uh, <clears throat> after that. To fulfill this commanding order, we have been studying three vital, charging, and fundamental acts. We need to pay attention to these acts, because to put off, be renewed, and put on are specifically those acts from which will depend whether we transform ourselves into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. More specifically, will the realization of our salvation come to pass, given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it? which will then result in our names being forever blotted out of the book of life, although they may have been written there at one time. 
In a specific format, we already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of closing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God and Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth by the way of confessing the faith of our heart. Relevant to this, we studied a series of parables and events. We became familiar with the condition that we need to fulfill in order to, by the name of God, El Elyon, or God Most High, destroy the stronghold of death in our body in the form of reigning in its sin, identifying the essence of our old person with his deeds, so that we can forever thrust him out from our body into hell with noise and afterwards erect the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body and stop to study the next condition. This condition consists in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit with the right that he alone has, the unique right and power that he alone has, reveals the conditions based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God Most High. Collaborate with the prayer of faith is that God's faith is the general, my faith is the soldier that hears the general and obeys the general voluntarily. And so this condition consists that in the circumstances of our hardship in life, when we are putting off the old man, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our heart, stating who God is to us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, and who we are to God in Christ Jesus. We've noted that this metaphor is one of the most powerful and voluminous symbols demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind in the form of King David with the name of God Most High, and the confrontation with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul, and reigning sin in the form of our old person with his deeds. And so three kings living within one body that want this body or want control of the body. The heart is occupied by the Lord. The heart is born. We don't mean the muscle, we're talking about the new, unseen, sacred person. And there the Lord lives. But our soul and our body needs to be uh, conquered, and three kings are ready to battle for this body. But none of these three have paid the price to uh, redeem this body, only Jesus Christ. And so one of the kings, the sacred person collaborating with Christ, is legitimate. The other two kings are not legitimate, although they still desire control and upon legitimate grounds, as it were. And why? Because there is an inheritance in the body. The body is mortal. The old person lives in the body. The law of God condemns him. And so he has right. He he is given power. The law gives power to sin, and he legitimately is wanting control. And so we have began to study that by the confessions of the faith of our heart, by being instructed in the faith of who God is for us, what God has done for us and who we are to Him, He can receive the required basis or proper grounds He needs to join the battle for our earthly bodies so He can shame the reigning in our body sin 
by the power of his redemption and forever cast him, forever cast him out into hell with noise. But for this reason, it is necessary first to bind him in this hell because our body is hell. You'll say, how is this? How is that possible? The old person lives there. Reigning sin lives there. So, does the reigning sin live in the kingdom of heaven? What Then you are the kingdom of heaven, but reigning sin lives there? You say one thing, and you come home, and you begin to argue with your husband and your wife, or your wife. You speak uh, very bad, negative things against one another, and then you come to church and say, I can't believe that in my body I have hell. Well, what else is there? Adam uh, paid attention to this. He uh, sinned and it was passed on to mankind. We received this death, this hell, from one man, but the second Adam came from, hev- from heaven. Receiving him, we can be free, become free of this first Adam. In character, the Psalm of David contains three parts where we see an example of the character of legitimate prayer. And it is inherent specifically to kings, priests, and prophets. Many of the prayers of David, these are allegories that are, uh, that where we see uh, similar things. And so this is one of the examples, and this is not exclusively the example, but one of them. The first part identifies the condition or state of David's heart as a warrior in prayer. The condition of his heart was grounds for the legit status of his prayer. And this legit status of prayer is for kings, priests, and prophets. It's an altar that is built according to the demands and measurements that God has said and is sanctified. That is the motives and the goals that the will of God has. Upon such an altar, can then you bring offerings to God. The second part reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer, which gives God, which is, again, for kings, priests, and prophets, this legitimate prayer, which gives God the basis to deliver David from the hand of all of his enemies. A legitimate prayer is placed upon a sanctified altar. The third part, in an epic format, describes the prayer battle itself, which surpasses the comprehension of the simple human mind. In a specific format, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer. <clears throat> we need to note that it's as if we left the first part and went to the second, but actually all of these are one in the other, and they're connected one to the other. And speaking of the second part, we already are touching upon the third part and are again returning to the first because all of them are united, uh, they're connected as a very complicated mechanism (coughs) where one is connected, one piece is connected to the other, you remove one of the uh, parts and it stops working or functioning. <clears throat> and so when one piece is shown, uh, people are happy, but you need to be able to show the entire mechanism as it works with all its parts. That's when the uh, full teaching is in place or complete teaching is in place. In a specific format, we already looked at the first part and, and stopped to look at the second part, as we said, which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer 
contained in the eight names of God Most High. I will note that David sometimes uses uh, ten names in, in a psalm. If he uses ten names, then in this prayer, there's the teaching of, of holiness. If there's seven names, there will be a teaching of, of fullness or wholeness. If there's eight names, then this psalm, this prayer, will contain the covenant you have with God. <clears throat> and so these eight names of God Most High, they uh, make up the covenant you have with God. And, it, and so these eight names, they are within all the other 50 names that are in Scripture, confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight following names of God allowed God to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised to be saved from his enemies the enemies that are inside of himself from the Saul <coughs> and also the king of the Gentiles the three different kings he needs to do it that he can be enthroned in the body he can he could take control in the body and for God discovering the truth revealing the power of his names in the heart of David provided God proper grounds to use his abilities that consist in his eight names to battle against the enemies of David <coughs> Psalm 18, 1 through 3. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my strength in whom I will trust. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already looked at our inherited lot that is in Christ Jesus in the power of four names of God. These names are strength, rock, fortress, and deliverer and stop to study our inherited lot that is in Christ Jesus in the name of God, Rock of Israel, listed as strength in whom we trust. We will remember that this nature of prayer where David confesses his lot in the eight existing names of God Most High, it belongs to us. This uh, prayer, this is, the, this is the strategic teaching that is purposed to be the calling and mantle of a king, a priest, and a prophet anointed to rule over their earthly body, over their earthly body. And if a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to rule over his calling in the form of his earthly body, in the status of a king, a priest, and a prophet, so he could change it into the heavenly body or transform into a heavenly body, then this revelation given for worshiping God in prayer will not benefit him. A prayer will not benefit him in general if he is not within the boundaries of his calling, which for all is the same, for all is the same, for pastors, apostles, teachers, all is the same. And therefore, the quality in Lexus in identifying the name of God, Rock, as with the previous names of God, is not able to be found in any dictionary of the world. Because here we're talking about a living rock, a living as a living cliff, as you were. And so rock, a living rock, 
a sharp edge of a mountain or a cliff, a living stone, a stone defense, a living blood, the shadow of a cliff, a living shadow of a cliff, victorious an elephant's tusk, ivory, the aspect of ruling, comfort. This is what is contained in this name, these meanings. In the given prayer psalm of David, the name of God, Rock, contains the inherited lot of the Son of God in whom, because everything that God has promised, He's promised not to us, but to His Son. But we receive it, this lot, in His Son. Because in whom and by whom a person collaborating with the power of the name of God, Rock of Israel, receives the victorious ability to keep the proceeds or profits received from his investing the silver of his salvation. We turn our salvation to profit for the adopting of our body by the redemption of Christ. Considering such a necessary tandem or such a union between God and man, it becomes vital for us to determine in each aspect of our essence the role of God as well as the role of man. And for this purpose, studying our lot in the previous names of God, called to build called to be the lot of our salvation, we have the necessity to study a series of questions. What are the characteristics and categories identifying our inherited lot in the name of God Rock? What purpose does our inherited lot in the name of God Rock play when it comes to achieving our salvation? What price do we need to pay in order to give God the proper grounds He needs to be our Rock? And by what results do we determine that God truly is our rock in fulfilling our calling? And not some kind of false uh, uh, counterfeit of the devil, because the devil, all, for everything, has a professional, professional counterfeit. Uh, and so you need to study the inner essence to determine what is true and what is false. Outwardly, it appears identical as everything that China does is... Uh, they do literally any kind of counterfeit or, uh, item for any uh, suit, for any any purse, any plane, any rocket, anything. They do it all. They have taken the world in 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 into their control or slavery, as it were, because they do it cheap. And so if they uh, stop doing those things, the economy falls. That's how the devil capped, uh, catches people into his nets. Not having clear and comprehensive answers to these questions that we can receive by being instructed in the faith within the strict order in which the body of Christ functions, we will not have any ability to turn our salvation that, so that it can profit us, the silver being our guarantee of salvation. And this means that without a strict and voluntary obedience of the preached word spoken by the person that possesses the power of a father from God, as well as his helpers, we will have absolutely no opportunity to receive the profit of the fruits of righteousness from the seed of guarantee that we have invested. As it is written, for all of the promises of God in him, in Jesus Christ, are yes, and in him, amen. In him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 Every time I say this, that whether we like it or we don't, that this happens through someone and not just uh, us individually. And there's not a lot of apostles. 
and not just that there's not a lot of them, but they're not acknowledged. They don't want to acknowledge him as an apostle. As an apostle, a person is arrogant and doesn't want to, uh, because people perfectly understand that if it, this is an apostle, I have to obey him. But if we just uh, select someone. Uh, someone we will make fun of, someone we will laugh at, someone we will uh, control with the brotherly council and call him a pastor. This person likes being called a pastor, but what kind of pastor is he? He doesn't do anything. There are always those people that don't want to get their hands dirty in the church, but they force these people whom they select the authority, of course, is not with them. The authority is with those individuals that actually control the group, and, and these are emissaries of devil. We need to consider that studying our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock, if we will be studying the power of his name independent from the faith of our heart and independent of the confession of our mouth, then we will immediately be heading in the wrong direction. As God in all of his powerful and unchanging names is the lot of the inheritance only within the boundaries of the spirit, soul, and body of every person that belongs to the category of the chosen by him remnant. And before we receive the right to the power to confess our inherited lot in the name of God rock, as an element of the faith of our heart, it is necessary to be clothed into the virtue of a student of Christ, a person whose heart is prepared to receive the seed of the implanted word and to grow the seed in order to show its power in the fruit of righteousness demonstrated in justice. And we will remember that only a person that thirsts to listen to the word of God only one who thirsts will be given, focuses on his, on this word, lives by this word, abides in this word, and the word abides within him, uh, commits his time to it, will be able to stand in battle against the serpent of old and escape the deceiving traps of the devil in order to inherit the salvation of his body by the redemption of Christ. In a specific format, we already looked at the essence of the first question, identifying the lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel. Therefore, we will immediately pay attention to the second question. What purpose does our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock, have in achieving our salvation? First, the first purpose of the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel, abiding within the heart of a student of Christ, is called to give us living water in order to quench the thirst of our new person, where we are supposed to demonstrate the holiness of God to the, obedi to the disobedient sons of men. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. So Moses did not ha uh, carry the rod around. This was God's rod, and it was in the tabernacle. And in order to do something, he, to take this rod, he needed to hear the voice of God that would tell him, go and take the rod. He couldn't take it whenever he wanted to, although previously it was his rod. But he said, this is now my rod, and it will be called the rod of God. And with it, you will perform uh, wonders. 
And this is the rod of his mouth, the confessions of his, of his heart. But you can't use it according to how you see fit, but how God requires or commands. He needed to sit. Uh, and so Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Imagine, if right now I would talk to you this way. It's uh, very, it seems as a very low, here now, you rebels, but they are the children of God. They are chosen by God. You can't speak with people that way. When a pastor gets to this kind of point, that means something's happened with them. His heart has become hard. It's wounded. Possibly he has become this way because we'll see why this happens. Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? God did not tell him to uh, do what he did. He said, come to the rock and speak to it. But he says, here now you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice, with which he wasn't supposed to do, with his rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. Numbers 27 through 13. It was talking about the children of Israel, but it was talking about Moses and Aaron. First, we need to pay attention to the fact that the rod of God that was initially the rod of Moses was in the tabernacle of meeting before the face of the Lord. We can conclude that the Moses was not able to, according to his own personal judgment, use the rod of God, but only according to the command of God received in a revelation. As much as we know the rod of Moses that he threw according to com the command of God became a serpent that he ran away from in fear. But when God commanded Moses to take the serpent by the tail, the serpent within his hand became a rod once again. <clears throat> God says about this rod that now this rod will be called a rod of God because God will be one, uh, doing wonders with it. The rod in scripture symbolizes the mouth of a man and also the mouth of God. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor Christ and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the, lot of his with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Isaiah 11, 4 through 5. Until Moses threw the rod according to God's command, his mouth was not yet the mouth of God, but after when he, according to the command of God, threw his rod on the ground, and after which, according to the command of God, took it into his hand once more, by the tail, the mouth of Moses became the mouth of God. The symbol of the rod that was cast by Moses according to the command of God to the ground and was picked up again from the ground is a symbol of the soul that has been lost in the death of the Lord Jesus and reobtained in a new form in his resurrection. When the mouth of Moses became the mouth of God, he obtained the ability to discipline his mouth and became a person most humble than all men on earth. It is this quality that makes our mouth a rod of God. Now the man Moses was very humble more than all men who were on the face of the earth. The Numbers 12.3. This quality makes our mouth the rod of God. Legitimate and capable 
of confessing the faith of our heart. Confessing the faith of our mouth directly depends on the loss of our soul and the death of the Lord Jesus, where we die for our nation, the house of our Father, and the corrupt desires of our soul. And afterward, we reobtain our soul in a new form. Our mouth, belonging to the aspect of our soul, reobtained by us in the resurrection of Christ, in a new form, is humbled by the Holy Spirit, which gives us the ability to confess the faith of God that abides within our heart. It is by the nature of our mouth that we are able to examine ourselves <coughs> on the relationship we have with the chosen by God flock and also examine ourselves on the ability to confess the faith of our mouth or the faith of our heart. If a person by the cross of, our, of the Lord Jesus has not died for his nation, the house of his father, and for the corrupt desires of his soul, the confessions of the rod of his mouth, whatever places of scripture he may confess with his mouth will be idle words, although they will be the correct words, and he will proclaim, they will be proclaiming God's covenant, but it will be incriminated as a, a crime. But to the wicked God says, What right do you have to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you? I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you to pieces and there be none to deliver. Psalm 50, 16 through 22. Moses and Aaron not believing consisted in them not believing God that he is able to bring forth water from the rock. Additionally, disobeying God in their not belief, they turned to the nation of God and called them disobedient when they were the ones that were disobedient in the moment. Being disobedient to God, they called the nation disobedient. God did not command Moses that he strike the rock with the rod, but the opposite, God commanded that he speak to the rock with his mouth and hold the rod of God in his hands in order to demonstrate the holiness of God before the eyes of, his, of the sons of Israel. He said, take the rod in your mouth and command the rock. He didn't say strike the rock. He says, hold the rod in, his, in your hand and command the rock so that it bring forth water. But he struck it and twice he did with anger. Not understanding that the symbol of this rock, it is a living rock, it represents Christ. Holiness consists in trust and obedience to the words of God. It was called to separate Moses and Aaron from the crowd of disobedient men in the camp, that after all of the miracles that God had done before them, leading them from Egypt, and they rebelled against Moses and against God. And the reason for the non-belief where Moses and Aaron were not able to demonstrate the holiness of God, the reason before the eyes of the sons of Israel consisted in them not noticing themselves, began to have fellowship with the disobedient. In result, together with the disobedient men, they did not enter the promised land. Do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. And so this evil company be, uh, corrupted their, their good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 1 Corinthians 15, 34 This was the problem with Moses and Aaron. Here's our problem. Well, they say, well, what's so wrong here? It's a good brother, good sister. Their previous friend, would. am I not supposed to uh, speak with them? We used to go fishing. I used to go to stores with this uh, sister. This is my 
my father, this is my mother, this is my son. Die for your parents and die for your children, sisters, brothers, or your relatives if they have abandoned the church, God's church. They are resisting and rebelling against the church. Look at what happened here. Look what happened with these men. If God would not have spared these men, He did not spare these men. He did not spare the archangel. He did not spare Adam and Eve. Do you think He will spare us if we will be forsaking His commandments? We ask the question, why did God let the nation thirst in the wilderness? The answer to this question is found throughout Scripture because He gives us water from the rock exclusively to those who thirst. And so the who thirsts uh, come to me and drink. And so he can't give anything to people unless they greatly desire. Some people come to me and ask me, I want the Holy Spirit. We pray nothing happens. And I told him, you don't have thirst. You have curiosity. When a person comes with thirst, he immediately receives the Holy Spirit. It's thirst to receive him. And it's a unique nature of thirst where a person is yearning and almost dying from thirst. A person who truly has thirst, uh, has has experienced thirst, uh, two, three, four. Uh, and so I, I fasted three days, obviously, and before, when I didn't know that I shouldn't, I would fast for a longer period of time. It was terrible uh, without water. There are places that are... Uh, hot uh, and they were walking in the wilderness imagine the kind of thirst that they had on the last day that great day of the feast Jesus stood and cried out saying if anyone thirsts let him let him come to me and drink if Moses would have trusted God and believed God and would not have become angry who had just come up and spoken to the rock as they were supposed to he who believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water he makes us, he comes into us and becomes in us this uh, living rock and then water flows from us. How? When we confess the faith of our heart, this water begins to flow and these words begin to quench our thirst, our hunger, they begin to quench the words of faith. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John 7, 37 through 39. When the Holy Spirit enters into man as a Lord and Master, not just as a visitor, then he begins to enliven the truth in the heart, and we begin to speak. Therefore, the symbol of the water that was brought forth through the Mo- through Moses from the rock, according to the command of God, symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Summing up the given component, we conclude that the purpose of the Lord in the name of God, Rock of Israel, abiding within the heart of a student of Christ, is called to give the Holy Spirit only to those men that are thirsty for Him and have prepared their heart for Him. Second, the purpose of the Lord in the name of God, Rock of Israel, that abides within the heart of a student of Christ, is called to make our heart wiser than all the wise on the earth. There are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepared their food in the summer. The rock, again, ants are called a people not strong. Yet they prepared their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a feeble folk, just as the ants, yet they make their homes in the crags. The locusts have no king, yet they all advance 
in ranks. The spider skillfully grasps with his hands, and it is in is in king's palaces. Proverbs 30, 24 through 28. We need to note that in the given proverb, the category of the chosen by God remnant presented in in her wisdom in the form of rock badgers that make their home in the rocks is one of the four parts identifying the wise heart. Therefore, our heart will be wiser than all of the wise on the earth if it is if it has within itself all four of those listed above and without the unison of these together, we will not be able to make our home in the crags or upon a rock. Considering this principle, it is necessary for us to study them united together, all four components making up a wise heart. The first component of the condition, making our heart wise and taking part in making our home in the rocks, is fulfilling the calling of the ant about which it is written that they are a people not strong, but yet they prepare their food in the summer. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted. So that in the likeness of an ant to prepare our food in the summer, and in this way value time in order to call upon God when He is close, we need to consider listening to the word of God greater wealth than the gold of Ophir. They cried there, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is but a noise. He has passed He has passed by the appointed time, Jeremiah 46, 17. And so it turns out that for the king of, or the Pharaoh, it was told uh, to him that who God was and what he needed to do, but he passed the appointed time. Uh, and so the Pharaohs did not obey, but resisted. And the reason for this is you can receive the promise only at the time when God gives it to you and not when we want it ourselves. No one can receive salvation when they want to, but when God gives it. God can speak into the heart of a person and tell him right now or never. And if he won't make that decision at even if he, when he's drunk and God speaks into his heart and if he doesn't make the right decision in the moment, he will lose his salvation. Because a person says, well, I'll still do this and this and this. And when he says this, uh, and when God says to do something, it's still not convenient for the flesh. The flesh still has plans as a business. And suddenly God speaks right now. Repentance right now. When you hear the word, it is when you need to do it. The second component of the condition, making our heart wise and taking part in making our home in the rocks, is fulfilling the calling of rock badgers. It is written that they are feeble folk, but yet they make their homes in the crags, a living, a rock. It's talking about a nation that is weak. Why is it weak? Why are they feeble? Because they're not able to defend themselves. Because they are in the likeness of the Holy Spirit. Because they absolutely trust and rely upon God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 3. 
And so if he's poor in spirit, he will build his house upon the rock because he can't do anything. Only God can be his hope and his trust, not his experience, not people. When he understands that no connections in the world, not his wealth, not his mind, is able to give him salvation and hope. And then he refuses all these things. In order to become poor in spirit and by doing so give God the proper grounds to endow us with this power, it is necessary to consciously and voluntarily by the cross of the Lord Jesus die for your nation, the house of your father, and for the corrupt desires of your soul. This is what Apostle Paul writes about uh, about this. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. When you can't trust upon anything but me. Sometimes a person, God in the flesh, uh, brings circumstances uh, where he's completely weak and... And this is for the reason to have him rely upon God, because God can't do anything with him or work with him until he trusts in him completely. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me instead of uh, being sorrowful, being uh, unhappy and complain to the Lord. He boasts in his infirmities and in, in reproaches and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, 10. The third component of the condition making our heart wise and taking part in making our home in the rocks is fulfilling the role of the locusts. They have no king, but yet they all advance in ranks. The reason the locusts have no king belonging to their status, but they, the for example, the ants have a queen, uh, the bees have a queen, but in this multitude, they they travel and even the skies get dark. Literally, the skies get dark, and for a couple of hours, they're, fl they're literally traveling, and there's 40 uh, kilometers in width, and th they just keep, and there's a noise, and there's blackness, and, and there where she lands, there's nothing living remains, and there's nothing you can do to fight it. A person doesn't have weapons against it. And so again, they have no king, but advance in ranks, it consists in the fact, and so the reason the locusts have no king belonging to their status, but they all advance in ranks, consists in the fact that their leader is God himself, with no other in between, and he is also their king. And so even in our life, in our physical life, in our materialistic life, there are specific uh, creatures that don't have kings or leaders and all of this is controlled by God and they travel where God tells them therefore so that God himself will stand at the head of our thoughts and that he be the king of our mind and so our minds are this uh, group of locusts it is necessary to consciously and voluntarily by the cross of our Lord Jesus to die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for the corrupt desires of our soul. Let's read a place of scripture. 
So I will restore to you the years that the swarming lo locusts had eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord our God who has dealt grace uh, wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am the, in the midst of Israel and I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. And so when I destroyed this locusts, after this, and it shall come to pass after afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also on my menservants and my maidservants I shall pour out my spirit in those days. Joel 2.25-29, according to this revelation, our thoughts that before our submerge into the death of our Lord Jesus Christ destroyed the seed of the word of truth that was sown, however, after we are clothed into the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, we provide God the foundation that he needs in the resurrection of Jesus to become the king of our thoughts. There are a lot more creatures, of course, on the earth and uh, uh, bug life and so forth than, of course, people on the earth. Ants, if you weigh them in mass, how many? They're in ten times more uh, in 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 weight, say, than uh, all men combined on the earth, and these are just ants. All the other uh, bugs, uh, they can't number them. Uh, they can't number them. There's no number for them. But and so there's so many of them. They're so numerous that if you weigh them upon scales, then they'll be ten times. Uh, in weight just of one creature than uh, all the people or, or mankind combined. There's an amazing balance uh, uh, among them and this is the lowest level that all are nourished by fish, birds and other maybe smaller creatures and then Others eat uh, those that eat them, and then those and uh, others eat those that ate those, and so the chain. Re uh, and so, if there's no bugs, then there's no food. Thoughts: A person can't live without these uh, this food. He's uh, as soon as there's emptiness in the mind, he begins to think of something else. Always, a thought makes him do something. He can't just sit idly. He. It's hard to sit, a person begins to do something. And why? Because it's not interesting. For the mind, if something's not interesting, he's attentive and focuses when something is interesting, when the mind is cap captivated by something. According to this revelation, our thoughts that before our submergence to the death of our Lord Jesus Christ destroyed the seed of the word of truth that was sown. However, after we are clothed into the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, we provide God the foundation that he needs in the resurrection of Jesus to become the king of our thoughts. The fourth component of the condition making our heart wise and taking part in making our home in the rocks is fulfilling the calling of the spider who skillfully grasps with his hands and is in king's palaces. 
In what way is he in king's palaces? How does he get there? Matthew 12, 35 through 37, and we'll talk about the spider. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. That which the spider grasps upon uh, is what he himself produces, that he excludes. A good person, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. There are spiders that, of course, form their uh, webs in, in the ground, or in, deep, in holes in the ground, and others always want to be in clean houses and there are other spiders that don't want to be in clean houses they have no interest in that they want to be in the ground and so different spiders different behavior in order to fulfill the condition that is the ability of a spider to skillfully grasp with its hands the spider silk that is extruded by the spider and by doing so intercept the royal treasury of God it is necessary to confess the faith of God that abides within our heart not all spiders confess the will of God, they confess their will. And so that's why they're not trying to intercept the treasury of, uh, real treasury of God. Summing up the given component, we conclude that the purpose of the lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, abiding within the heart of a student of Christ, is called to fill our heart with such wisdom that will be greater than all of the wise of the earth. The third purpose of the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel, that abides within the heart of a student of Christ, is to lift our head above our enemies who are around us. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place in his tabernacle he shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock. <coughs> he calls the temple of God a rock here. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Psalm 27, 4 through 6. In the given place of Scripture, the lot of God in the name of God, Rock of Israel, is presented in the heart of a man in the secret place of the dwelling. And so again, in the given place of Scripture, the lot of God in the name of God, Rock of Israel, is presented in the heart of man in the secret place of the dwelling of the Most High, which is in the tabernacle of the Lord, which David calls the temple of the Lord and the house of the Most High God. And as much as we know, such tabernacle of God called the temple of God and the house of God, having within itself a secret place of the dwelling of the Most High. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Isaiah 57, 15. 
And so these are people, again, who have refused their own and have chosen God. Not looking at what I've lost or not looking at what I've gained, they have rejected all those things. They've refused all those things or to rely upon them. And and so a person is in the valley of the shadow of death and sin is encircling them but their spirit is humble and contrite and they're ready to die in the death of the Lord Jesus in order to become free of this harsh inheritance this hell that's inside and so I live so that I can resurrect them as if uh, 66.1.2 Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me and where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. <clears throat> but on this one I will look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. This is where I will rest, this is where I will live. Each identification which becomes the subject of the prayer of David and the goal he is searching for possesses a specific significance which pursues one goal but fulfills different roles has one goal but fulfills different roles the subject of the prayer plea of David and his searching was so important in the achieving of our salvation for the reason that David says that one thing I've desired of the Lord and this I seek. The subject of the prayer plea of David and his searching wasn't evangelism of the world, practicing of, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, materialistic prosperity. One pastor told us that we went, uh, we climbed the uh, roof of this, uh, one of the uh, city's uh, government buildings and were trying to rebuke and uh, demons from there and so forth. And so again, he, uh, David, was not pursuing materialistic prosperity, resisting the world's authority or involving the church in, po in politics or groups of authority. The one thing is our calling, which is our upward call and our upward selection. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will, ha you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 1, 10 through 11, all saints, regardless of what denomination you're in, look at what your calling consists of, not evangelism or gifts of the Holy Spirit, not blessing, but make your call and election sure. It gives you access into the kingdom of heaven. If you don't know this, then you are very pitiful. The so-called generals, they call them generals. Yes, they have great services. As one person who considers that when there are a lot of people, this is a, a big fire upon an altar, a large fire upon an altar. And if it's a small church, it's a small fire. The fire is not the quantity of people, but uh, the Holy Spirit. And so if there's two or three gather, or three gather together in my name, there I am with them. 
<clears throat> Abundant access into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the subject of David's plea and his searching, which was directly linked to the confirmation of our calling and our selection, which is achieving the goal of our calling. What is it? What is a call means? This is a rank and a virtue, and the greater the calling, the greater will the prize of the upward call be, and our virtue. And so if there's a sergeant, there's a lieutenant, and so forth within, there's a captain, and so... And so Paul says, I have a goal and the upward call. Election is what we choose, the goal that we strive to, and the price that we pay for what we have chosen to understand what the difference is between call and election. The goal or purpose of our election is fulfilling the perfect will of God, identifying our calling consisting of the resurrection of Christ, being enthroned in our body and clothing our body into the resurrection of Christ. First, this would allow us to abide in the house of the Lord, and second, to become the house of God. The price that we pay for our selection or choosing is the format of our total sanctification in Christ Jesus, pursuing the goal of total dedication to God. And the greater the level of our dedication, the greater will the prize of the upward call of God be that is in Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not count myself to have ap apprehended, but no, no one thing. I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Philippians 3.13.14 I press forward to the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so we need to remove from the throne in our body uh, the old person. Our mouth is the throne within our body. And he uses our mouth to remove the old person, to give God proper grounds to erect with our mouth, within our body, the stronghold of life, together with Christ. And we need, he lifts our head above our enemies, that is to eliminate in the, amongst the chosen by God remnant the power of the uncrucified flesh that are fleshly men. Summing up this component, the purpose of the lot of the name of Rock of Israel that abides in the heart of a student of Christ is called to establish our calling, to confirm our calling, to give us open access or free access to our Lord Jesus Christ within the boundaries of the chosen God, by God remnant, which is the Church of God and the Rock of God. We all need to strive for the upward call that is in Jesus Christ, the calling that Christ himself has. As uh, upon uh, <clears throat> on a running track, uh, many are running, but one receives the reward, and we receive it in Jesus Christ. Fourth, the purpose of the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel, that abides within the heart of a student of Christ, is called to be for him a a great defense around him by which God will then uh, lead us and lead us away from the enemy 
the chief musician, a psalm of David. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. In your righteousness. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. It's been secretly laid and he's fallen into it and he's within the net of his enemy. And he says, lead me out of the net that has been laid for me. I haven't noticed how I fell into it. For you are my strength. In, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered me, considered my trouble. You have known my soul and, and adverse adversities and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set me, my feet in a wide place. Psalm 31, 1 through 8. And so we see that the psalm is uh, begins as the chief musician, a psalm of David. And so a chief musician is the chosen and a, a psalm of David. This is the chosen by God remnant and those who have received the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of their life. The phrase a psalm of David is the new person created in accordance to God in righteousness and holy truth and being led by the Holy Spirit and having a part to God's chosen remnant. <clears throat> Such order is often uh, shown here in in the start of or at the start of the Psalms of David. And so this is again the union of the new person with the Holy Spirit, the chosen by God and the chosen by God remnant. We can't receive anything out of the Church of Christ without her. According to the prayer of David, those people who have placed secret uh, traps for him are people and so God revealed to me uh, what these nets are and so these are questions that are asked in a, in a way that will catch a person uh, into into nets and so the response that you give is the net that you'll fall into yourself and so never be quick to respond <clears throat> never be quick to respond uh, think about whether maybe you shouldn't be responding maybe you shouldn't at all be speaking to this person with this person uh, or have argue with them about any of the of these things Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge you did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering 
in your in you hindered and as he said these things to them the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him Luke 11 52 through 54 they weren't successful but they were trying to they were trying to uh, with his responses to catch him and so the phrase of David lead me out of these nets that have been laid for me that means that David was caught with his responses uh, in these nets and so according to David he more than once has fallen into such nets and God has delivered him and such a deliverance David received uh, because of his inherited lot that is in the name of God rock of Israel because God call, or David calls God his rock of Israel We need to keep in mind that any response we give or word that we speak, whether it be to God or to people, is a net that we catch ourselves into. What a spider uh, releases is a net, and it will be either the net of the Lord or net of the evil one, and this evil net of the evil will will impersonate pretty much the net of God. It will not uh, demonstrate itself as the net of the evil one. Be careful to prove something to someone. It's better to listen to the word of God and confess the word of God. This will be the net of the kingdom of heaven you will be falling into. Considering that opposite to the nets that uh, of those who con- uh, consider uh, useless idols we see uh, the rock then of the most high the nets of, the, of those that uh, consider useless idols are responses to questions that we ourselves fall uh, into a, a snare and uh, we need to instead uh, put have them fall into their own snare as Jesus did or had it happen and so in your responses we behave we need to behave uh, based on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and not our knowledge or experiences if we would have uh, referred to the Holy Spirit every time we need to respond that is in our spirit then we would not be the ones falling into these traps or these nets but they would be falling into our traps and nets. There are questions that are asked that the Holy Spirit doesn't want to respond to uh, or help or give us uh, or support us uh, in responding to. Silence is sometimes also a response and sometimes a greater response than words may say. But as we have already fallen into this snare, of those that regard useless idols we need to turn to our God of Israel our rock, God as rock of Israel as David did and in this prayer psalm of David I wanted to look at 10 steps from where uh, of which this prayer uh, consists of David first uh, built an altar 
for the Lord. He allowed that the Holy Spirit be the initiator and inspirer of his prayer. He presented evidence of uh, of his belonging to the bride of the Lamb also. Second, David confessed the faith of God that was in his heart and his trust upon the Lord. He said, Lord, I trust upon you. I shall not be ashamed. He confesses this being in a net of those who consider useless idols. David uh, spoke of his readiness to be free from these snares because of the justice of God. And he spoke the words, because of your righteousness, deliver me. David perfectly understood that in order for God to deliver him from these nets of those that consider useless idols, God needed to incline his ear to David's prayer. And this is very evident from the words that he says. Incline to me your ear and be quick to deliver me. To incline his ear, God inclining his ear, is pretty much demonstrating his favor to David. If the altar is not sanctified or the offering is incorrect, there's no fire upon the altar, the Holy Spirit. It will not prompt forth God's favor, but David's prayer did prompt God's favor. Fifth, David in his prayer uh, pretty much regards a great formula of God with which he created the world. He said, be a rock of, of defense for me in order to save me for you are my refuge. You are my defense. And so David asks God that he uh, direct him according to uh, his loving kindness because of for the sake of his name. David specifies the essence of his need with these words. Lead me out of the nets that have been laid for me, for you are my strength. His words, David, that are not inspired by the Holy Spirit but are inspired by his own mind is not a stronghold that he can uh, cover himself, where he can cover himself. And so David says, in your hands I commit my spirit. You have delivered me, Lord my God, of truth. He's delivered him more than once from such traps and such snares. Ninth, ninth David uh, confesses in his prayer that he hates those who regard useless idols. David concludes his prayer with the words of that were in his heart. He says, I will be glad and rejoice about your loving kindness for you have regarded my trouble. Summing up this place of uh, this subject, the essence of the name of God, Rock of Israel, being in the heart of the student of, a, of Jesus Christ is when we uh, fall into traps that are, are laid by those that regard useless idols, God can lead us out and put us in a place that is 
opened and free. Fifth, the purpose of the name of God, Rock of Israel, abiding in the heart of a student of Christ, is called to pour out for us uh, springs of water and this is for the reason of doing good for us when, the, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water who brought water for you out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me all this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. The thing is that what will be our wealth is where our heart will be also. If we will think about perishable wealth, we will inherit corruption. If we will meditate about imperishable wealth, we will inherit incorruption, that is eternal life in God and with God. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Luke 12, 33-34. And so God spoke to the nation, saying, Be careful that your heart not be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who led you out of the land of Egypt from the house of slavery. If for the chosen by God remnant is exiting out of Egypt is uh, exiting these uh, mentalities of, of the world. And so how do we perceive being exiting uh, out of Egypt? This is coming out of the desires of the flesh. And so uh, carnal men do not have uh, people who will tell them these things or help them out of it, as it were. The category of fleshly men at all times have considered themselves spiritual, but the spiritual they consider them uh, deceived. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2.14 According to this place of Scripture, a natural man does not receive the things that are of of the spirit and so he's in the slavery of his own soul and his own abilities and so the given promise of God to Israel as they as they think is not actually something given to them because these are for those that are under grace grace is enthroned in the heart of a person exclusively through righteousness when reigning sin the old person is removed from the throne which are a pure mouth of man that confesses the faith of heart of God that is in his heart so that as sin reigned in death even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord Romans 5:21. And so grace is not enthroned immediately, it is through righteousness. In order to eliminate the 
a rule of sin within your body, it is necessary by being instructed in the faith by the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ to die for your nation, the house of your father, and for the destructive desires of your soul. And afterwards, by being instructed in the faith to bring in to your heart the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ. And only after that, when the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ will be imprinted upon the tablets of the heart, we receive into our heart the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life so that He can reveal in our heart the truth, the teaching of Christ. And if the elementary teaching of Christ is not there, the 12 foundations, the Holy Spirit will not come there or knock on the door. And so when in our heart, cleansed from dead works upon legitimate grounds, the the Thummim will be brought in, that is the truth of, of Christ, and Urim, the Holy Spirit, revealing the truth in the heart. Only then will we receive the ability to understand righteousness and perform righteousness. And only then does the grace of God have the legitimate grounds to be enthroned within our heart through righteousness of faith. To perform righteousness is to become free of the slavery of Egypt. That is... Uh, be free of the life in the flesh by the way of sprinkling of yourself by the shed blood of the Lamb. And so to make a covenant with God and sanctify yourself in God. During the time of sanctification, there's a lot of danger for a man. And if he will walk according to God's will, he will avoid all these uh, dangers. While we did not have an understanding of true or sincere sanctification, we could not sense the danger of the serpents and other uh, demons. We could also, we were able to experience the true thirst that we needed for the Holy Spirit. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, that last day of the feast, that is when the great feast will begin which means the person receives the Holy Spirit. This is at the door of our hope. That great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive for those holy for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. John seven thirty seven thirty seven through thirty nine. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate in the same uh, the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5. And so they were destroyed again because they did not believe Moses. We need to apprehend well that uh, true sanctification is always losing uh, the life in the flesh and your obedience of the person whom God has placed. When a person pays the price for a sanctification, for the dedication of himself to the Lord as a servant of righteousness, and will then humble himself and tremble before his word, and will not offend the Holy Spirit, God will give him good. 
so he could fulfill his covenant that he gave as an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Summing up this subject, we conclude that the purpose of the name Rock of Israel abiding within the heart of a student of Christ is called to flow uh, water for us from the cliff that the Lord as an oath has promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob upon the condition that we fulfill our part of the covenant which consists of total sanctification that pursues the goal of total dedication to God where God has promised to destroy the stronghold of death within our body and enthrone or resurrect uh, erect the stronghold of life within our body let us bend our knees and our heads and we will pray and thank God for the words that we were able to receive today and may it be imprinted by the Holy Spirit into our hearts. And for this reason, we need to uh, give all of our energy, time, effort, so that we can understand and have this happen. Great God, who, who is holy in Jesus Christ, you have allowed us to know you and revealed yourself to us you have desired to open yourself to us and open to us our true calling. You have revealed to us our calling in Jesus Christ and our election for that great goal that you have placed before us, the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. We thank you for this great calling and this election. We are subject to these words and it would be good it will be good for us and our children in the name of your son Jesus Christ may the works of the devil be destroyed in our families may the hearts of the fathers be turned to the children and the ch- hearts of the children turned to the parents that you coming down you would not curse us because the devil has uh, is attacking our parents our children trying to destroy the relationship between a father and a son and a mother with her daughter. But we thank you that we see these works of the devil and we can stand upon them and destroy the works of the devil. All depends on us and our decision. When we uh, put away these offenses and we humble ourselves before you and ask you for mercy so we can understand what happens, happens so that we can Uh, restore your priorities within our families. Many of our families are uh, cursed and we ask that you give us wisdom to repair these, our family, so that there be peace there because your body consists of these families and the devil is trying to destroy the church and he starts with trying to destroy the family. I thank you for this revelation. And I believe that your wisdom, your power, your wealth, your greatness will help us deal with this issue. And it will be for your benefit so that we can present ourselves and our children perfect and not guilty in the day of Christ. <clears throat> Thank you that you are our God. Thank you that you have become our rock, our living defense. We thank you that this living temple where we can receive comfort, salvation from and deliverance from the nets of those who 
regard useless idols. First, it is our heart that we have built into a temple for you where you abide, and also the chosen by you remnant that we are a member of. And that is why we can turn to you with our prayers, with a plea that the Holy Spirit can carry this prayer and pray together with us. He has always been ready to prepare and prepare to pray with us. If we're ready to pray according to your conditions, your requests, according to the revelations that you send, may your mercy be blessed and your truth for your people now and forever. May the works of the devil be destroyed and may all illnesses be eradicated and may the bodies of the, your holy people be restored in the name of your son, Jesus Christ and may the illnesses that have come become for us life instead. We proclaim these things. We proclaim the non-existent as existent. We wait in this process. When you fulfill, we with perseverance wait, and we believe that we will receive because we are looking to the reward that you have promised, and we believe that you're vigilant over the words that you have spoken and that you have lifted up above anything else in us. May you be blessed and our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so before we proclaim our unchanging manifestation, I would like to invite Arthur up here. He would like to become a member of the church. Although the church he came from is our movable foundation church, but every person that comes here, he is given time where he needs to make a decision whether he wants to be here, a member, or if he wants to choose something different, uh, and he has made his uh, choice, he wants to be a member here. Let us stretch out our right hand, and we will pray and bless him and receive him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Arthur. May he be blessed before your face, and may be he be a blessing for us, and we be a blessing for him. May your mercy be upon him, and your wisdom be upon him. Thank you. We receive him as a member of this body. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. We welcome you. You may take your seat. And now we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.